Thanksgiving for encouraging us by reading that text. And thank you, worship team, for being a blessing to us in song. James, Rebecca, Pastor Chris, Gary, and Natasha, your voices and your working together. Enter in an experience of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, gracious God, you are in control. Sometimes we want to take that control, but Father, lead us now to submit to you, to allow you to have your way. Remove the things that would distract us so that we might be able to hear from your word clearly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Family, uh, I want you all to help me out in the chat a little bit. You get a chance. Go ahead and just toss in the chat. Uh, toss in there that one of your favorite foods. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it easy. I know some of y'all like me might list 45 things, but try to narrow it down. Give me, give me one of your favorite foods. I, uh, I know one of mine is peach cobbler. You know, some, some nice, warm cobbler with the dodo. You got to have the dough on there, and don't give me that runny stuff where it's oozing all out. No, but it's got to be a nice, solid cobbler with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. I'm right there, y'all. I'm right there. Or a, or a nice cookies and cream milkshake. Shout out to the Commons, one of the best milkshakes on the east side. Let's go. Um, a good milkshake. That'll get me. Or maybe if it's that perfectly seasoned fried chicken with the yams and the green beans. Like I just, you know how, how there's certain meals, certain foods, certain lasagnas. Oh, I'm still going, sorry. Certain grub that will in your mindset to have you like, mmm, that's it. That's one, that's one of my favorites. And, and in that moment when you take that bite or you have that meal or somebody presents that meal you've been longing for, there's been a moment where you were like, man, this is like a, a, a taste of joy. I feel the emotions. It feels good eating this meal. There's a, a sense of joy that you get to experience when you have that favorite meal that just sets off your taste buds and you kind of can just... <sighs> Family, we've been talking about joy a lot in this book. Actually, the book of Philippians help us see joy from a Christ-centered perspective. Joy has an aspect of emotion. It has an aspect of feeling good, an aspect of, of you being on a bit of a high. But that is just one aspect of gospel-centered emotion. The other aspect of gospel-centered emotion is action. Action, where, where you are called to act in joy regardless of the circumstance. You are called to rejoice in the Lord even when you don't feel the emotion. You know, like I do, that, that kids get nervous. That if a child has a time to present at their school and they've been working on that poem and working on their resuscitation piece and they get up in front of the, in front of the entire auditorium and everybody's looking at them and then they go to recite what they've been saying for a, a long time at home over and over again. But right here in this moment, they freeze. 
forget all the words. Their mind goes blank. And what does what does that mama in the third row do? That that mama in the fourth row do? What does she do? Stand up and say, "That's okay, baby. You go ahead. That's you. You all right? I got you, honey. You're doing good." And everybody will stand up and clap, even if it doesn't go as planned. Why? Because we choose to rejoice because of the impact and the effect rejoicing and joy can have on one another, even when the situation doesn't go as we planned. You see, Paul is writing this letter from jail, and he's trying to help these people, this Philippian church, this community understand this principle of joy can be emotion where you are on a high, and he shares some highs that he's been on because of them and because of a loving relationship he has with them. But he also says, I need you to rejoice. I need you to choose joy, to act enjoy to allow that to flow from you because there's an impact that it has on you and an impact joy has on others. And so this week we are looking at Philippians chapter 2. Turn there with me if you can, Philippians chapter 2, because we're going to see what are some of the things that take joy, or excuse me, what are some of the things that make joy What are some of the things that take joy? And then a relationship that demonstrates the strength of joy. This week, we're looking at at, at that overarching topic of joy. And you know, even our logo says joy fully, living fully. Joy fully, fully means complete, full, having it in all capacity. And and this book wants us to understand our being, our completeness that we get to experience in Christ. And that joy is a vital part of us fully experiencing Christ. And so turn with me to Philippians. We're going to look at chapter two, but I'm going to back us up a little bit. Back us up to verse nine. I know this week We're starting in verse 12, but I need you to remember what our brother preached on and a a vital part. It says in verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This starting place matters. This starting place is rooted in an authority that is Christ and Christ alone. It's an authority that reminds us of of a honoring, of us celebrating, of a submission, of us bowing our knees, of us seeing God in the place that he should be, revered as holy. And we are given, if you will, Spiritual nourishment. We're given an an understanding of power. We're given an understanding of, of might that we get to walk in because of all that Jesus has accomplished. Every name will bow. Not just that in heaven and that on earth as well. This is the vast nature of Christ's authority. 
It's the, the beauty of his lordship. Lordship meaning he is the one in control. And so it is out of that strength, out of that power, out of that authority that we begin to understand that we get a chance to experience joy. Look with me at, in verse 12. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Paul says, hey, look at this. I, I need you to reflect God the same way when I'm in your presence as you do when I'm gone. And I'm, and I'm grateful that you guys are obedient to God in that way. Can you, can you tell me, raise your hand at home. I can see you at home. I, I can see you. Raise your hand at home if you like somebody that's two-faced. If you, if you like somebody that acts one way when they're with you and then another way when they're gone. Paul is saying, there's a, a commitment to obedience that, that, that you up, operate in the same way when I'm with you as when I'm gone. It's a, it's a celebration. It's an encouragement. It's a way that if you want to begin to ask yourself, what does it look like to be joyful? Remember that you're not doing it for Paul. You're not doing it for pastor. You're not doing it for your husband, your wife, your spouse. You're allowing obedience to be unto God. And so you can be consistent in whatever environment you find yourself in. But notice what he says in verse 12. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice he didn't say work for your salvation with fear and trembling, which is what we are prone to do, which is what we desire to do, right? If somebody gives you handouts, keeps giving you something, the thing that most people end up saying is, no, you don't have to keep giving it to me. Let me work for mine. Let me earn mine. But see, that, that type of concept is, is so broken when we come to God because God is pure, God is holy, and you can't earn your salvation. No amount of works is strong enough for you to be able to earn your salvation. This brother named Ellsworth wrote a, a, a commentary on Philippians, and he said, those who advocate salvation by works do so only because they, fall, they fail to understand that God demands perfect righteousness. When this point hits home, it's obvious to us that we cannot be saved by our works because no matter how many good works we do, they cannot elevate us to the level of perfect righteousness. Your work, your effort, if you had to work for salvation, you would constantly fall short. Because what effort do you have that is perfectly pure, perfectly righteous? But see, no, God has done something in us. And so we're not working for salvation, we're working out salvation. It's, a, it's a, an impact that has happened, and because of an impact that's happened, we now get to Walk it out. My children, uh, my children love balloons. 
And, you know, when you, when you, before having children, you don't even think about balloons. Like, okay, cool, nice, hey, party. But, like, now my kids will take a balloon, and then they'll, like, fill it up. And now a balloon has, like, five different uses. It's decoration. It's a, a rocket that you let go, and it shoots across the room. It's, it's uh, that, that really annoying sound. They come up to next to each other's ear and go, you know, balloon becomes all things. But, but, but what happens with a balloon is it becomes useful once it gets filled. Once it gets filled with air. You see, what happens with our gospel walk is that we don't work out, we don't work for salvation. God fills us, and then because now we are filled, we get to work out our salvation. We now are useful for multiple purposes unto God. Multiple ways in which we can bring God glory. It might look different in the way each of you do it, each of us do it, but now, filled with the power of the Spirit, we can be used and put on full display for God's glory. That's why verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's not your own strength, your own might. It is a work that God has done in you. And now you get a chance to reflect and display godly beauty, godly character, godly joy. And so what's something that can contribute to you understanding this concept of joy, which covers all of the book of Philippians? I think one would be obedience. Two would be a working out of your salvation. And three would be an awareness that God did it. He put a will inside you to respond to him for his good pleasure. But there's some things that if, if, if obedience and acknowledging God did it and, and working out your salvation helps make you experience joy, helps you understand joy, there's some stuff that can break joy down. Some things that can take joy away. Continue with me in verse 14. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I, um, I, I, I remember trying to care for a group of people. And the easy thing would have been we got eight people that want to go to eight different places to eat. We go on the one place. Everybody choose to go ahead and get what you want from this one place. But nah, I'm like, you know what, man? We got time. Like, you want Chinese? Cool, we're going to get Chinese. You want subs? We're going to get subs. So we start going to like four or five different places. And, and in an effort to try to care for the group, we stretched ourselves a little thin. 
But what hurt in that experience was that instead of people being like, thank you, folks start saying stuff like, how long this going to take? We got to go to their place first. Why can't we go to my place first? You know, you know when, 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 when grumbling is present, it steals the joy out the room. When grumbling is present, all positive energy, all hopeful thinking just gets smashed. When grumbling is present, you just feel a, a, a overwhelming lack of gratitude. I've been blessed to do marriage counseling. And, and there's a clear difference between people who are struggling with issues. Issues are real. Issues are present. Issues are there. But yet they're grateful for their spouse. See their spouse as someone that they love and they know, God, you've, you've blessed me with this person as jacked up as they are and as jacked up as I am, God, you still bless me with this person. Now we got some stuff to work out versus seeing that person as the enemy. Versus seeing that person, that other person, that spouse as only a person walking with mess ups, mistakes. Seeing their, that whole life of that individual as wrong after wrong after wrong. They can do no right. You see, God blesses you with a bunch of stuff, whether it's your car that is barely making it, but he's puttering to work every day, or it's your spouse that gets up and walks the dog or cares for the children or makes some food, or whether it's that job that is stressing you out, but you're still able to keep the lights on. The question is not how good is the environment or how good are the external things. The question is, will you grumble in the midst of it? You want to see your joy leave immediately. Demonstrate a posture of no gratefulness. That's what it's called to grumble. That's what it looks like. It says some basic stuff. A, do all things without grumbling or disputing, fighting, causing division, bringing the drama. You know, like, like you, you, you know family, you know friends, you know people that you love. You know there's some people who, like, in a group of ten, if you say, oh, man, this big argument happened, you say, oh, that was probably that person. I get that some people, issue, issues and situations are drawn to them, but you and I both know some folks just keep somehow finding themselves in the mess. You remember pig pen? Always just a cloud of drama. And, and, and here we go. Paul's trying to help us understand what can take away our joy. Something as simple as grumbling or entering into disputes constantly. 
Not when we're supposed to be a people that are innocent and blameless before God. That's not supposed to be our posture. Our posture is supposed to be one of moral correctness, of godliness. And yet we looking like the world when we grumble instead of are grateful and we dispute instead of celebrate the divine work that God is doing. And so if you want to see your joy taken away, if you want to see joy sucked out of the experience, go ahead and grumble. Go ahead and keep fighting. It's easy, though, y'all. If we can be honest, it's always easier to, to, to do wrong than it is to do right. And that's because Satan is constantly at your heels. He's constantly wanting to provide opportunities for you and I to fail. He wants to see our moral character reject God, but not you. Not me. We're, we're not people that are going to reflect darkness. No, that's why he says, let your light shine. Be lights in the world that you are to be, we are to be, I am to be family. It is our posture to live different, to live as lights in the world. When you don't grumble, when you have the opportunity to, when you bring forth reconciliation, when you have the opportunity to dispute and to divide, when you operate with that type of posture, the world sees you shining, baby. And so we're called in the midst of a twisted generation to let our light shine. And so then instead of letting what takes away joy overcloud things, Paul switches back with just a bit more things in view of what else can help bring forth this gospel-centered joy of emotion and action all together. Look with me in verse 16 and 17. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. There's a, a book that uh, Eugene Peterson wrote, and he said it a little bit differently from the message, and I don't, I don't like to... Uh, quote the message all the time, but I like the way he summarized the verses in this. He says, carry the light-giving message into the night, so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. I like the way he says that. Living proof that you will reflect and show it so that this effort of godliness and you remember where he's writing this from, right? This whole book is being written from a vacation spot in, 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 nah, I, ain't, I was about to make up some, he's writing this from jail. He's saying that it's going to be cool to see this is not all for nothing, that what all of us have endured Will be, will be worth it because of your life and the, and the joy that you reflect of this God that you love. But it flows out of, what's that saying, verse 16, three words, word of life. You got to hold fast to it, the word of life. I, uh, I, in college, like got reconnected to my faith. My mom uh, and my father, um, 
they, 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 I was in church. I can't remember when I wasn't in church as a kid. Like, I just, I've always known that environment, but, but it was, it was in college where the faith became my own, and I, I don't think I was going for my parents or going for, you know, the free cookies that they had sometime or, or the Burger King my grandmama used to take me to afterwards when we went over to my Uncle T house, like, like none of that. It was now real Jesus and Leon's life was put on full display and he was showing me the unhealth of my life and what he wanted to do and all I could do is respond like, God, you're so graceful. How would you extend that grace to me? And, and the scripture that became my email my sophomore year, my sophomore year, my new email became newcreation77 at hotmail.com. Ah, hotmail, y'all don't even know, you know what I'm saying? Go back on them. But it was new creation, and it came from this scripture verse that changed my life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It's not on the screen, but I want you to just simply hear this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That verse rocked me. I kept reading it. I kept reading it. I kept reading it. And all I could think about was, what is the new? What is the purpose that you would have for my life? What is it that you want to do? I recognize that there was an old Leon that died because you birthed something in me. Your will was now in me. You filled me up with your spirit. I'm no longer the same, but what's next? What's next? And I remember in my heart being like, whatever it is, Father, I'm down for it as long as you're with me. Whatever it is, I'm, 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 I'm willing as long as you're with me. And, and it's been a, a, a crazy ride of some mountain highs and some valley lows. But, but it was not a friend that I held tight to in the toughest of times. It was not my accolades or my skills that I celebrated in the best of times. The thing that I gripped tightly was this word of life. And he's encouraging, reminding us today of the beauty and the value and the impact of God's word. Let it be a, a blessing unto your life. Let it be an encouragement. Let, let these Words that Paul was writing from a jail cell that now, centuries later, we are the benefactors. Of. We, we get great blessings out of it. Let, it. let it bless you, though. Let it bless you. It can't bless you if you don't read the letter. It can't bless you if you don't know the word. It can't bless you if you don't allow there to be space where your mind can be renewed through the reading of God's word. If you want to experience some joy, yeah, don't grumble, don't fight, but don't just choose the, to avoid the negative. Choose to walk in godliness by spending time in the word of God. That's a labor that won't be in vain, y'all. That's one that will richly and greatly bless you. 
And so it is this challenge, this celebration, this uh, way in which Paul is writing that, that he says to them, hey, if this is your reality, if this is how you're walking things out, then look, likewise, I want you, verse 18, likewise, I also, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Rejoice this action, rejoice this, this call, rejoice this command, if you will, for the way in which you are to behave. Things not going well, still rejoice. Find yourself in some tough situations, still rejoice. Want to ask yourself, Lord, how do I find joy in the midst of this? Help me not to grumble. Help me not to enter into fights willingly, just, just ready to fight all the time. Help me, Lord. And then he gives actually an example of a situation where there's still joy present, even though it works out in a way that they hadn't planned. Verses 19 through 30 say this. And, and, and actually, I want you to spend some time looking at it throughout this week. But verse 19 says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I, too, may be cheered by news of you. He's saying, I'm in jail. I want to send Timothy to y'all. I want to hear how y'all are doing. So some of the joy I'm going to experience, even though I'm locked up in chains, will come from me knowing how well God is working in your life. Do you find joy from hearing what God's doing in other people? Does, does, does God give you a, a sense of, of joy and an ability to rejoice? Or do you say, oh, man, that kid's doing well again, and I, I got these kids. Their marriage is perfect, and I got this spouse. Like, like, like. You, do you see the, the, the practical application? Do you see the opportunities? Do you see the, look how healthy they are rolling and look at the s scenario I got with my body. Every day you're going to have opportunities for Satan to win when you choose grumbling instead of gratitude. When we choose to stop the power of joy God wants to work in our lives. Pastor, am I always going to experience the emotion of joy? Do you always eat peach cobbler and vanilla ice cream? Probably not, right? But you still can experience the action, the, the stepping into celebrating others and lifting up of others. And that, too, is joy. And guess what? Others will do that unto you. Others will allow for there to be rejoicing that happens for you. And so he's hoping to send Timothy so he can be encouraged. If you jump down to verse 25, it says, I, but I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for all of you, for you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Verse 29, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor and such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete, that was, complete what was lacking in your service to me. What's going on here? 
there's these men of character, these men of value. He, he celebrates the, the worth of Timothy, celebrates Epaphroditus. And the hope is that Epaphroditus is going to be able to, to communicate with the people because the people at one point sent Epaphroditus to Paul to care for Paul in the jail, and he's hoping to send the brother back to be able to care for the people. And instead of things going as planned, where Paul's getting a joyous story, the people are getting a joyous story, Epaphroditus almost dies. Epaphroditus gets so sick that it's almost curtains for him. And Paul is in jail, and what you and I think should happen is when you're in jail and you're waiting to get a letter, you're waiting to get a message, you're waiting to get word from your people, instead of focusing on that, he focuses on Epaphroditus. Instead of grumbling about what he didn't get, he focuses on this brother, this Love, this servant, this man of God, this brother of character, he focuses there and says, my heart would have been broken, but he's okay. So rejoice with me. Don't rejoice that I got the letter. Don't rejoice that you got the letter. Rejoice that our brother is still here. Why? Even in jail, I got something to celebrate because my boy is still here. That's that. That's the, the you got a choice. He could have looked around him in the middle of a jail and chose grumbling. He could have chose to argue with them. Why y'all send this brother? Y'all knew he was sick. Y'all should have sent somebody healthy. Y'all see what I'm going through? No, he doesn't argue and enter into division. What does he say? Rejoice with me. We have an opportunity. An opportunity to choose. And sometimes I feel like a, a broken record to myself and y'all just happen to be in the room and online. We have an opportunity to continue to choose life or death. And this verse is dark or light. Joy or no joy. Don't let grumbling and division take the opportunity for you to experience joy. No. Allow obedience unto God and an acknowledgement that God put something in you. He didn't filled you with his spirit so you can work out your salvation. And what that looks like is a light unto darkness. What it looks like is a rejoicing when you have opportunities to grumble. Looks like an opportunity for gratitude instead of grumbling. Make the wise choice. It'll bring you joy. If you're a person that's saying, but pastor, I've never experienced joy. I don't, I don't know what joy looks like. Then we want to offer to you joy is not simply found in things you do. Joy is found in a person. It's the person of Jesus. You see, Jesus died so that the shackles and the weight and the heaviness of sin that, that held us in bondage and that steals our opportunity of joy, that weight was lifted off of our shoulders. He said, my shoulders are big enough to handle it. Not just for you, but for the entire world. And so what we give you today 
is an opportunity to understand the light of the world, our, our joy. We are only able to experience joy as Christians because we have a joyous relationship with Jesus. And we offer that unto you today to realize that Jesus died so your sins could be freed, cleansed, so that you could be separated from the wrong that you've done and so that you could be presented unto God righteous. That's why we don't work, out our, work for our salvation because we didn't earn it. But we work it out because of what Jesus has done for us. And he places us in a place of grace where we then get to operate from a place of being filled with the Spirit. If you want to live like that, if you want to walk like that, if you want to submit to Jesus and choose his way over your own, then we invite you simply today to pray this prayer. Father, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that I've sinned. And I believe that Jesus' death forgives, allows my sins to be forgiven. I want to live for you, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Lead me to do so. I don't even know everything that that means, but I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are a person that prayed that today, if you didn't even say the exact words, but on your heart you were feeling that, we want to celebrate you and say, welcome to the family of God. We are going to have two times after service. One time is going to be a time for just family kicking it, and you can come be a part of that. Or if you, are, uh, if you prayed that prayer, I would love to talk with you afterwards about what next steps look like to walk with Jesus, to live for Jesus, and how this church family wants to come alongside you. We are excited to celebrate you being a new creation in Christ. Amen. 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 Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you give us the understanding and the opportunity to make a decision for you. Lord, we are grateful that joy exists. But you don't just place it in us. It's not just uh, something that we get to just walk around and and experience every day without any work. No, Lord, the work sometimes is choosing to deny our flesh and walk in your freedom. Let us work that salvation out every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.